When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for part two of the mailbag on this holiday weekend. And for that, we welcome back our friend who covers the Jets for JetNation.com, a website where he is the editor, Mr. Glenn Naughton. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Ed Holinsky. He asks, given how some insane NFL head coach firings have happened, is Robert Sala still safe with the Jets? Yes, Robert Sala is safe with the Jets. He's safe with the Jets for two reasons. Number one, Woody Johnson already said so. And number two, because Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem to want any changes to the coaching staff. So Sala's not going anywhere. I understand that this is a weird year where all of a the sudden there are some very big names that are available. Bill Belichick was let go by the Patriots. He's out there. Now, the Jets aren't getting Bill Belichick, but you get the point. Mike Vrabel was let go by the Titans. He is out there. You've got Jim Harbaugh out there, apparently ready to jump into the NFL. And I thought it was funny because people were saying, oh, if he wins a national championship or if he loses, it could determine whether or not he leaves. I would be very, very surprised if he doesn't leave Michigan. And the reason is Michigan is about to face some stiff penalties for all that spying and cheating that they did. And I think he's going to want to get out of there. It's the same thing that Pete Carroll did when he left USC. And ironically enough, Pete Carroll also no longer a head coach. He's out in Seattle. I think he's going to remain as a senior advisor or something like that. But I wonder if a team really wanted him as their head coach, if they could find a way to work something out with Seattle. There's still the small possibility, too, that Mike Tomlin ends up leaving. He's got another year left on his contract. But if he expresses to the Steelers that he'd like a change and he wants to go somewhere else, maybe the Steelers will work with him to get him somewhere else. Could be a trade of some sort. 
it's just crazy to me, Glenn, that all these head coaches with so much experience and these great resumes are out there, and the Jets boxed themselves in with Robert Sala weeks ago. I'm not saying they were going to hire one of these guys, but it would have been nice to have that option open to them. Plus, of course, Todd Monken, who I've talked about a lot, who should be a hot candidate this coaching cycle as well. Ben Johnson, who is the offensive coordinator in Detroit. He's the hot name. This is a very interesting coaching cycle. I don't know if I've ever seen this many qualified candidates available in one cycle, and the Jets gave up the opportunity to even think about going after one of them. Yeah, that was as as all these names, these guys are getting fired the last couple of days. I had that same thought yesterday. I shook my head and thought, and the Jets are like, every one of these guys is far superior to what the Jets have at head coach. And uh, and Salah's safe. I think he's 100% safe. I don't think the Jets are going to consider it at all. I would love to think there's a possibility that they're having conversations right now and going, look, did we jump the gun on promising this guy his job back because there's some better options out there. Um, you would like to think that the team is always working to improve, especially at the most important spots, head coach being one of them. But I think, um, I think as you said, they box themselves in. I think they're going to stick with Salah. I think in the end they'll regret it. Yeah, I, he, unfortunately, he's safe and, and better options will go elsewhere. Next question comes in from Mayor of NYC. He asks, given a choice, who do you like as the backup quarterback to Rodgers in 2024? Tannehill, Brissett, or somebody else? I think Tannehill and Brissett are probably the best options out there if you can get one of them. The question is going to be whether or not they want to come to the Jets knowing that Rodgers is definitely going to be the starter. Now, maybe they think... There's an injury possibility, and that's enticing for them. But I think a lot of times these top-shelf backups like to go places where they might have a chance to at least compete for a starting job. So it could be a bit of a tough sell for guys like that. We'll see. But I do think that Tannehill and Brissett would be two very good options at this point. Yeah, I think I think Tannehill, I'd be surprised if he's willing to take a backup job. Um, but, I mean, he's going to get to that point in his career at someday. Maybe he... He gets there and he's willing to take a backup job. In that case, I'd, I don't. To me, it'd be Tannehill would be the top guy. Well, Tannehill would be the top guy I'd want. Brissett and then probably Gardner Minshew. The rest of the guys out there. Um, I don't know if you knew this, Scott. Sam Darnold might be available. Oh, that would be a funny one if they somehow brought back <laughs> Sam Darnold to be the backup to Aaron Rodgers. And That's, maybe Robbie Anderson's a free agent. Bring him back. You know, bring that. Bring uh, get the band back together. Hire Adam Gase as a special assistant. <laughs> maybe Dow Loggins comes back as the special oh, challenge flag guy. I don't know. Something. The good old days. I'm sure Frank Gore would sign up gladly and and get back on. You know, get back in the huddle. Le'Veon Bell can come back. They can bring everybody back. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard. He asks, what is going on with the lack of critical follow-up questioning among Jets reporters this year? I don't even hear follow-up questions from reporters based on dumb answers that some people have been giving this year. I thought Douglas took accountability, but how can he think banking on a 38-year-old left tackle coming off surgery was smart because his shoulder was supposed to be okay? You have to follow up on that and ask more critical questions. I'll preface this by saying that I'm fairly friendly with a couple of the guys that cover the Jets, but I get your frustration. Sometimes you want to see these questions followed up on and you want to see some more aggressive tactics. They sort of have to find a way to find that perfect spot between being a jerk and asking the right questions. And I think there are some areas where they should have tried to follow up a little bit more aggressively. That would be one of them, certainly. And there are quite a few others. Asking about what's going on with the injuries and the offensive line. <laughs> Obviously, now I would love to see somebody ask about the Keith Carter tweets from Brees Hall 
and Makai Becton and some of the ex-players like Adam Pankey. We already knew, of course, with Taylor Lewan, thought of Keith Carter. So, yeah, I understand the frustration. Sometimes I think these guys need to push back a little bit more, too. Yeah, you know, I've noticed that in recent years, Scott, that you don't see that sort of, you know, it, it used to be really tough to face the media in New York because they they would follow up. But I don't know if it's because the 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 the, the climate has changed so much and a lot of these guys – it's so hard to get a scoop because the Schefter and Rappaports of the world get every meaningful story first. Um, you know, minus the, you know, every once in a great while, you know, Samini might get something, but there's not a lot of exclusives. And I wonder if they just don't want to step on any toes and maybe hurt their chances of getting a story down the road. I, I don't, the, the short answer is I have no idea. I don't know why they're not pressing these guys because they don't. The number of times I hear, a, you know, especially with Robert Sala, some of the stuff he says and there's no follow up. It drives me crazy, and I've, I've, I've thought to myself: Are they just worried about making the team angry, and then putting themselves in a position where it makes their job even that much harder with not being able to get a story or an interview that they might want down the road? Um, again, I'm not saying I know this to be the case, but for example, when I was there a few years ago, I went to you know I, I covered Jets training camp a few years in a row, and and it always felt like the you know the media, the little bit that I got to speak with them. They just they didn't you didn't hear them talk a lot about about pushing or pressing or trying to get more out of a story, um, and it's it's a great question. I'd love to know the answer, um, and that's just my theory. Is it's it's not it's a lot harder to get scoops and stories than it used to be, and maybe they don't want to get under get on somebody's bad side by um by making them look bad in front of the in front of the fans. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Steve. He says, with Luke Getze being fired from Chicago as the offensive coordinator, could you see him being added to the Jets staff? He was with the Packers from 2014 to 2021, and the quarterback coach under Nathaniel Hackett and Matt LaFleur in Green Bay from 2019 to 2021. Rodgers has spoken highly of him in the past. What do you think? I'm going to read this quote, by the way. This is from Aaron Rodgers, and this is courtesy of Zach Rosenblatt at The Athletic. Quote, a close friend, a guy who is a confidant. We had a lot of long conversations after the day had been done. Good hangouts outside the facility. Just a great human being, great husband, father, phenomenal coach, fun in the room, loved our constant dialogue during the weeks, and loved being coached by him. Luke Getze did a terrible job in Chicago. Terrible. You can talk to anybody that covered that team, anybody that's a fan of that team. If you watch that team, awful job. Had no idea what to do with Justin Fields. I'm not even saying Fields is great, but you got to play to the kid's strengths. He often played against Justin Fields' strengths. He was one of the guys that was complained about the most by Bears fans and Bears media for the last couple of years. He was just fired for a reason. Of course, that means that there's a good chance he's going to wind up with the Jets because Aaron Rodgers likes him. So it doesn't matter if he failed spectacularly the way that Nathaniel Hackett did with the Denver Broncos. It just matters if Aaron Rodgers likes him and would be comfortable with him. So could I see him being added to the staff? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think it's a good idea? No, it doesn't really matter because if Aaron Rodgers thinks it's a good idea, he's the one whose opinion matters, not mine, not Glenn's, not anybody else's. Yeah, you know, listen, we we know that the Jets are willing to bring on bad offensive staff personnel if they're well liked by Aaron Rodgers. We see that with the OC. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put anything past him if if he wants the guy and if he wants them to create a position for him, they may just do that. Next question comes in from Day Kina. He asks, "Are you happy or indifferent about Bill Belichick leaving the New England Patriots?" 
I guess I'm indifferent at this point only because I just think the Patriots are so far away right now. Now, they're going to get a quarterback, I would think, in this draft, probably Jaden Daniels or Drake May. But by the time they would be good again, Belichick is 72 years old already. I just think he needs to be somewhere where he has a chance to win right away. I don't think the Patriots were the right situation for him anymore. It is nice to see him finally gone just because that way we don't have to look at him on the sideline anymore and think about all the terrible times that the Jets have had going up against him. And obviously there's no love lost between the Jets and Belichick. The man resigned from the job as head coach of the Jets on a cocktail napkin at a press conference. And he has shown numerous times that he has nothing but disdain for the organization for whatever reason. Bill Belichick's one of these guys, he just holds these grudges forever. And it's the strangest thing in the world, but that's how he is. And maybe that's part of why he was as great as he was for so long. So now we'll see what happens next. Does he go and take another head coaching job this year? Does he sit a year out, see how he feels, and then decide whether or not he wants to come back? Because again, he is 72 years old. Maybe at some point he decides he just wants to take a breather. He could go on a TV. He could do podcasts. He could write a book. If he wants to do anything, because obviously he never has to work a day again in his life if he doesn't want to. I have a feeling, though, that a guy like Belichick is going to want to be around football in some capacity. So I think if this news had come a couple of years ago, I would have been celebrating like crazy. Now, yeah, I'm happy to see him gone, but it doesn't hit the same just because, like I said, I think he's sort of a bad fit for New England at this point in terms of his age and where they're at and where they're going to need to get to. So I don't necessarily see this as anything amazing for the Jets from a competitive advantage standpoint. However, it will be nice to not look over on the sidelines in New England and have to see his face with that hoodie over it. Because like I said, a lot of bad memories from seeing him on that sideline all those years. Yeah, with Brady and Belichick for so many years, we asked, you know, how much of it is Bill and how much of it is Brady? I think we've seen over the last few years who it was. I mean, Belichick's literally driven that program into the ground. And um, for all the accolades you give him for winning rings when he had Tom, since Brady's gone, it, they've gotten worse and worse. I mean, look at his his record's not that good. And, you know, at least over the last couple of years, five of those wins have come against a Jets team that can't move the football. If the Jets are, you know, even going to slightly start turning things around, I'm kind of bummed he's gone because he's he's looking a lot more like the guy he was in Cleveland before Brady came along um, than he did, than he looked with Brady. So right now I'm looking at Bill Belichick like a guy who was unbeatable when he had Tom Brady. And since then, he's another coach, or at least his record says he is. So I wouldn't have minded him hanging around for a little while. But if he, and I, you know, I, he's going to get a job somewhere. He's, he's close enough to the all-time wins record. I'd be surprised if he doesn't want to knock that out before he steps away for good. I'll disagree with you, Glenn. I don't think the answer was Brady. I think the answer is Brady and Belichick. You had the best coach ever and the best quarterback ever at their peak at the same time for 20 years. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. And for the people that are going off about how Belichick can't win without Brady, let's remember, Brady wasn't always Brady. Those first three Super Bowls that the Patriots won, Brady was nowhere near the player that he turned into. He was really more of a plus game manager than anything else. Those defenses, the coaching played a huge role, especially in those first three Super Bowls. Now you want to argue after that that Tom Brady became elite and he was more important than anybody else there's no question about that Tom Brady became the most important player in the NFL at a certain point 
but I think it's unfair to discount what Bill Belichick did as a head coach. I also thought he was very good in Cleveland. He got drummed out of there as a lame duck in an impossible situation when the team was packing up and getting ready to move, but they won 11 games with Vinny Testaverde at quarterback. That Browns team had been bad for a really long time. He started to move them in the right direction, and it was only two years ago that the Patriots made the playoffs with Mac Jones, who, as we now see, is a terrible quarterback. Plus, won 11 games in 2008 after Tom Brady went down with Matt Castle. So I don't think it's fair to say that Bill Belichick was only the product of Tom Brady. I think the two of them were a magic combination. I'm glad that that combination no longer exists because Belichick and Brady combined to put a ton of misery on the Jets and their fans over the years, and I'm not going to miss that. I think Brian Bassett from There's Always Next Year, the godfather of Jets podcast, said it best. With the Jets and Patriots rivalry over the past 20-something years, it felt like for the most part the Jets were Muhammad Ali in Zaire in the jungle against George Foreman, laying up against the ropes, doing the rope-a-dope, letting the Patriots tire themselves out. The problem is the Patriots never tired themselves out. They just kept hitting the Jets and hitting the Jets and hitting the Jets, and the Jets never got the strike back. So I'm not sad at all to see that combination broken up, but I will say that without a doubt, Bill Belichick is one of the greatest coaches of all time, if not the greatest. I think he probably is the greatest, and I wouldn't discount his contributions just because of Brady for a variety of reasons. Next question comes in from Peter LaFontaine. He says, which jet stole Joe Boo's rum? For those that don't get the reference, that, of course, is Major League, where Pedro Serrano, the player who believes in voodoo, has Joe Boo, who is his spiritual guide. He's like a mannequin, and he pours rum in Joe Boo's honor and tells everybody, don't drink Joe Boo's rum. And then one of the other players on the team, Ed Harris, the pitcher, says that it's all nonsense. And when Serrano's not looking, he drinks the rum, and then he walks out on the field. And as he's walking out on the field, a player hits a ball, and the bat goes flying out of his hands and smashes him right in the back of the head. And it's implied, of course, that this was the result of him drinking Joe Boo's rum, because as Serrano says, nobody should drink Joe Boo's rum. Drinking Joe Boo's rum is very, very bad. In this case, who drank Joe Boo's rum? I don't know. Was it Nathaniel Hackett? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, best line from that movie between those two was, uh, you mean to tell me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? I love that line. That was a great sequence and great chemistry for those two. Um, listen, you'd have to think, it's, let's start at the top. Woody Johnson, you know, he is the common denominator. I don't like putting it on ownership as, as often as some people do. But I do think there have been some moves where Woody probably got involved. We did hear during the combine that, you know, the Jets were interested in Derek Carr and Woody shot that down because he wanted the Aaron Rodgers thing to be seen through. So obviously that was his preference. We've talked about the negative ramifications of having Rodgers on board, which, as you know, they could turn around and win a ring and no one will care. And that's great. But um, if, if things don't go well with with Rodgers from this point forward, a lot of that's going to fall on Woody. Um, But it, it does. I tweeted it a few weeks ago, man. I, I don't believe in curses, but. With some of the stuff that goes on with this team, you do wonder sometimes if if Joe Boo is in fact a real thing and someone did drink his rum. Next question comes in from Hazmat25. He asks, who is actually running the organization? That's an interesting question. I think, obviously, Woody Johnson is the owner. Joe Douglas is the general manager. Robert Sala is the coach. But who has the most power? <laughs> probably Aaron Rodgers because if Aaron Rodgers wants a player or a coach, that guy's probably going to be here. If he wants that guy to stay instead of getting released, that's probably going to happen. So Woody Johnson is going to make 
the final call on mostly the financial stuff. Joe Douglas will do the drafting and the free agent signing and all of that. Robert Sala will decide who plays and who doesn't. But behind all of that is Aaron Rodgers because the decisions that get made for the most part are decisions that he's going to have to be happy with. And if he's not happy with them, I don't think the Jets will do them. So it's a multi-layered question, but I think you get what the real answer is here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one one name we never really hear, but, you know, I, we don't know who's making what decisions, who's advising what. But, you know, over the last few years when there have been big moves to be made, you know, especially the Aaron Rodgers one, um, they also bring the team president out there. You know, Jaime Elhai is out there. Um he must, he's contributing in some way. The team is never very clear about what his role is, but he does attend these key meetings with key free agents. And I don't know if he's advising on the financial side, but um, whether it's Woody, you know, overruling Douglas, if Jaime Elhai is a, a financial advisor from that sense in terms of resource allocation and how much they should spend at each spot, it's it's a collective effort. But at the end of the day, Woody signs the checks. And if there's a move Joe Douglas wants to make or anyone else advises, Woody does have the power to overrule, and as we, I, you know, as I just said, he did it with Derek Carr, um, and I wouldn't have any doubt that a lot of the moves Joe Douglas made, bringing in the Cobbs and the and the Turners of the world, came from being told to get Rogers what he wants. So it is a complicated question. I think the 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 true answer is I don't think we really know. I think Douglas, you know, has a a huge role in it, but I think I I, I sorry. I think Douglas has a huge role in it, but wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we found out that some of these major, major moves, if that was Woody taking the advice of somebody else or just deciding himself that he didn't want to spend that much at one spot. You know, we've discussed the backup quarterback thing. Um, I think there could be a little bit of meddling from ownership, I guess would be the word, um, with Joe Douglas making the calls, but also having to keep Rodgers and Woody happy. That's going to wrap up part two of this holiday weekend mailbag. Make sure you look out for part three tomorrow on Martin Luther King Day. Glenn Naughton of JetNation.com and JetNation Radio will be back to answer questions with me again. Follow Glenn on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn and check out his work at JetNation.com. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeJet.com and give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital. PlayLikeAJet.com.